Hey everybody, this is Jeff. Welcome to episode number 11 of the Child Care Bar and Grill podcast. We're going to be talking about decompressing in just a bit, but first I wanted to give you a heads up. Beginning of May, Lisa Murphy's flying into Sioux City and getting together with me and Danita to report some episodes. We'll all be in the room together, a live uh, recording, and it'll be a lot more fun than pasting Lisa in the way we've been doing. Uh, we want topics. If there's something you want us to talk about, email us at ccbag.podcast at gmail.com. Hey, sorry about the sound of this little segment. We're zipping it down the highway at a gazillion miles an hour towards Chicago for date night, where Tosh and I are going to do a little bit of decompressing. Here's the episode. Welcome to the Child Care Bar and Grill Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Johnson. With me are co-hosts, Danita Dinger and Lisa Murphy. Why don't you order a drink, kick back, grab an appetizer, and join us for some child care conversation. Uh, Today we're going to be talking about decompressing. Um, you ever got anything you need to decompress from? Anything ever stress you out? No. How about you? No. <laughs> Not me. You get to go first this time. No. Oh, okay. I, tell I, us about decompressing, Jeff. Decompressing? I don't need to. I, I, I'm, uh, How do you, why do you not have to decompress? Why do I not have to decompress? Because, um, I get Because he's enjoying a glass of red wine right now. Oh, that's that's why. I'm drinking wine. Because, uh, I pretty much, uh. After I burnt out like 10 years ago, I've been uh, working every day to make sure I don't go there again. And uh, so every day I wake up and spend the first hour that I'm awake doing stuff that puts me on course for a good day. And uh, How did you figure that out, though? I figured out. I screwed up my life. I was just about going to say a naughty word, but uh, <laughs> but I'm trying to keep the... Uh, yeah, it's the, Friday. It's Friday right now, so I'm you trying can't to keep use clean, naughty words on I'm Friday. I'm trying to keep the clean rating on... Uh, on iTunes, so I don't want <laughs> don't have any explicit language. Uh, no, I, I burnt out. It just about killed my marriage, and uh, ended up quitting a job I loved, and that's how we found our way to family childcare. But I decided I didn't want to go there again. And so I think what what a lot of the caregivers do is they they let the pressure build and build and build until they explode all over the all over the place, all over the people with them and and people they care about and they just unload. It's a, it's a huge mess and it's it's not a good place to be. Kind of like kind of like you were feeling about the playlist guy this week. Yeah. Well, the interesting I found about that is sometimes you misplace your stress. I um speak at a conference tomorrow and I thought earlier this week that I was stressed about that. Sorry, I have a cough drop in my mouth and I apparently can't talk with it. Um, anyway, and I couldn't figure out why on earth I was so stressed because I usually don't get stressed about speaking. I, it's something I extremely enjoy. Um, and then it dawned on me I was not stressed about speaking. I was stressed because I teach group fitness classes and I welcome people to request different class formats in this particular class I teach. I welcome them to give me um, names of songs that motivate them that I can add to a playlist. But apparently what I don't welcome is somebody telling me that I need to completely change my music because it's getting old. Um, Somebody told me that, and I took it really to heart. And they also told me that I need to work on picking songs that go with what we're doing, which... I work extremely hard at if he had any clue how hard I work. You said like as a young guy, was he like one of those young hipster guys? Yeah, he kind of was. Yeah, he was younger. Um, 
And so anyway, that is what was eating me absolutely alive and causing me to be so stressed. And the way I figured it out is because I teach the same class again on Thursday evening. And when I, on my way to teaching this class, I was literally just shaking. My, my hands were, were steady. My mind wasn't focused. I couldn't, and I was so confused as to why I was feeling this way. And after the class got done, which I might add, he didn't even come to, um, it, those feelings were all gone. And here it was just because of that. I was, I was so, um, gosh, I don't know what the word offended, I think by his thoughts that I didn't want to even see this person again. So I think it was all about that too. But anyway, here I was blaming it on being nervous to speak and really it was being just offended so, and stressed. Uh, so the, the, the thing that has to do with our job in early child care, early childhood education, whatever we're calling it this week, um, is that caregivers do this all the time. Stuff happens in day-to-day life, and they bring it into that environment with the kids, and it eats at them, and it keeps them from tuning in to those moments. Because, oh. Yeah. And I will tell you that this was not my... I mean, we did have a very good week, um, the daycare kids in, my, in me, my crew and I, um, but there were... I definitely had a shorter fuse this week. It definitely came out. I mean, I, I definitely didn't have as much noise toleration. I didn't have as much messy play toleration. Um, it definitely affected the quality care that I was providing. And, and it happens all over the place. I mean, I run around the country talking about caregiver stress and burnout quite a bit. And this is one thing, this is a recurring theme that when we do not take care of ourselves, when we do not manage our stress, we do not figure out where it's coming from and how to control or decompress and let go of it, it has a huge impact on, on our relationship with the kids. And the reverse of that is sometimes work stresses us out, and then we bring that home uh, to our families. And so on either end of our day, home life and work life, we need to figure out how to decompress, how to let go. What do you do? I mean, you teach fitness classes. What else are you doing to take care of yourself? Um, you know, everything that I do, I, I love tremendously. I'm extremely busy, and sometimes I, I get really stressed about it, and I think oh, I need to let something go. But then I think about the things that I do, and there's not a single thing that I would want to let go. So yeah, the teaching fitness classes is usually how I decompress, except for when a moment like that happens, apparently, then it works in the opposite. Uh, that reminds me of a, another way to decompress. Uh, a, a very popular way I hear from uh, caregivers at conferences about de- of decompressing is grabbing a bag of Doritos or a bowl of popcorn and sitting down and, and watching four or five or six hours of CSI or Law and Order reruns and just vegging out at the end of the day. And uh, that, that, that kind of takes the edge off. It kind of allows you chan- a chance to just let it all hang out and uh, not have to worry about thing about things and and that's good other things i hear are you know a, a margarita uh, while you're watching the sunset on your deck or going for a run or uh, hanging out on Facebook or or talking to friends, texting, whatever it is. Uh, for a while, um, what's that game people used to play on Facebook? Maybe they still do. Uh, Farmville? Is that a thing? A lot of people used to decompress No, I never got that. into that. Yeah, me neither. Mm-hmm. Uh, Twitter? You know, I think part of it is wanting to, wanting to feel a, con- a connection is, is part of it. But whatever it is that takes the edge off, that kind of uh, takes off the, the highs 
of uh, highs and lows of your day and kind of even things out is is a good thing. Decompressing. I mean, just the image of it is like that you've been squished down. And how do you become unsquished again? And I'm sure you could get online and find all sorts of suggestions about meditating and deep breathing and, and, and all of that kind of stuff. But when I turn that inward and think about myself, what do I do when I find myself in that position? Or how do I avoid needing to feel like, oh my God, I need to decompress? You know, what does that mean for so many different people? I think the, the running, and many of you know that I, I am a runner. In fact, I just signed up again for another 50 miler, but that's a story for another day. But I run when I, and I can feel myself getting a little edgy and Tom will even say, did you go run yet today? Or has it been a couple of days sometimes with school and, um, homework and papers and flights and workshops and gigs and all of a sudden I'll be like, oh shoot, I haven't gone running in a couple of days. So when I think about what do I do? To decompress, I, 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 you know, I enjoy a glass of wine, and uh, actually, right now as I'm recording this, I'm enjoying one myself. I went on a beautiful six-mile run today, so I'm feeling, you know, I'm pretty, pretty feeling pretty focused right about now. Now, what has allowed me though to stay kind of calm and cool and collected in that is because I went running this morning, and while I was on my run, the texts started coming in from United Airlines telling me that flights are canceled and delayed and and rescheduled, et cetera, et cetera. And that's neither here nor there. But I, I know the reason why I have not completely, you know, overreacted to any of this is one, it's nothing that I can control, first of all. But but second is because I allowed myself to go move around today and get outside and go run. And that allows me to face some of the, the things that are thrown at me constantly. You know, as somebody who's travels all the time, you need to know what you can control and what you can't control. And I think what allows me to stay focused like that and to stay balanced like that is that I do make time to run, which is totally self-serving. It is the only time of day that my brain is off. And in fact, even even this morning, I'll be honest with you, this morning I was like, okay, I'm going to go for my run. I'm going to go for my run. And while I'm running, I'm going to think about um, the, the podcast. I'm going to think about decompression. I'm going to think about what I'm going to talk about. And, and like at mile four, I'm like, oh, shoot, I haven't thought anything about what I'm going to talk about today. <laughs> but then I jumped online, right? Because I'm like, well, what do other people say? What, what, what's the, the thought about decompressing? What do people do? And, and I pulled up this list, and it's, it's pretty much everything that, you know, all it's like classic textbook. It's all the stuff that you know you should do to keep yourself calm and cool and collected. I think the bigger question is, is not necessarily like what do you do to decompress, but, but what, what's happening in your life that requires you to be mindful of how you decompress. Did that come out right? I'm not sure if that came out right. But I, I think one of the things that leads to having to go, oh my God, I so need to decompress. I think now you're kind of sliding down the slippery slope of what's causing you the stress. And are you getting all bent out of shape about stuff that in the big grand scheme of things you have absolutely no control over? And let me tell you people and whoever is listening to these things, take a breath right now, all of you. Whatever it is that you do for a living, whatever that might be, I'm assuming that a good number of you work with children of some sort. How often during the day are you getting all riled up over stuff that in the big grand scheme of things, either A, doesn't matter, or B, you can't control? 
One of the things that we have started talking about in the workshops is um, saving the energy, saving that energy so that when there are things that you really have to deal with, then you actually aren't empty. But if you drain yourself dry trying to control that which you cannot, then when you're faced with a situation that requires your attention, you got nothing left. And now we circle back to, you know, how many events during the course of the day are requiring me to feel the need to decompress at the end of the day. The website that I found, I think it's a blog of some sort called Zen Habits. And don't worry, I'll send Jeff the link because I know he likes to link the stuff up that we talk about. But she says she deep breathes. She takes a deep breath and she holds it and she lets it out and then she repeats it. And and that works for me as well. When I find myself kind of getting all riled up about something, I will consciously tell myself to stop and breathe and take a deep breath and to let it all out. Um, number two on her list is a, is a quick self-massage. Get your shoulders, your head, your lower back. Of course, it's always better if somebody else is doing it for you. But, you know, worst case scenario, you can get back up on your shoulders and your neck and your arms or your upper arms or your leg or the small of your back or your bum or wherever you kind of lock all that stress in and do a little bit of self-massage and release that up. Um, go for a walk, take a walk, exercise. You know, I run. That's what I do. And, and I, I love it. I'm late to the running game, but I'm so glad that I found it. Getting outside, even if you don't run, go for a walk, even just go sit outside. You know, the, the idea of recreation and, you know, taking place outside, recreating that, that is what, look at that word, break it down to go out and experience some sense of, of park and recreation, but that recreating component, being outside will refuel you, whether you are cognizant and aware of the fact that you get refueled when you're outdoors, take your shoes off. If you have access to the beach or mud or dirt, sand, grass, um, now that the weather is starting to turn, well, a little bit. I know my my cousin is in Montana. She got snow the other day. So I'm not sure if spring is really here yet. But regardless, go outside. Go outside. Get outside. Have a cup of coffee. Sit on your porch and breathe in that fresh air. Um, Six, uh, six, number six on her list was sex, is sex. All-time great, she says, and it works like the charm. Seriously, it is probably the best on the list, is what the person writing this blog says. You want to decompress? Go get a roll in the hay. Take a day off. Call in sick. Call in well, for all I care. But every now and again, there is room for playing hooky. Meditating. She's even indicating on her blog, and look, I'm assuming it's a woman. I don't even know. could be a guy. You don't need to be trained to have short, relaxing meditation sessions. Just sit somewhere, close your eyes, relax, focus on your breathing. When things pop in your head, acknowledge them, but then, poof, allow them to leave. And read. I mean, when I was looking through this list, she has number nine, it says read. To decompress, that's number nine, read, read a book. The last time that you read a book that you were like, oh my gosh, I have to call in sick because I cannot close this book. I mean, I, I even own the company. I called in sick one day, one book. It was so good. It was, oh, it was, I, I couldn't even put it down. Page Turner. So when was the last time that you literally got lost in a good book? Maybe that works for you. Maybe it doesn't. I'm not sure. Go get lost in somebody else's world. Harry Potter books do that for me. I don't know about you. I can reread those over and over again. And the Hobbit series, all those books. Alice in Wonderland. 
Dandelion Wine by Ray Bradbury. I read that once a year. Love, she says, number 10. How does she decompress to spend time with the kids or the wife? Oh, it is a man. It's a dude snuggling with the kids, snuggling with the wife. Disconnect, turn off your phones, turn off your computer. Just go go outside for a little bit. Go offline. My, my uncle one time uh, sent me a funny link, and it was a link to the very last page of the internet. <laughs> and when you click on it, it says, hello, you have reached the very last page of the internet. Now go outside and play. And then, of course... This one is becoming my favorite as I'm getting a little bit older. I will so own this. I am entering the phase of my life where I appreciate a little bit of a nap. I was a nap resistor. Actually, I probably still am if I had to say whether or not I enjoyed naps. I probably still would say not really, not so much. But in the last six months or so, I've probably napped a dozen times. And I tell you, I wake up from that 20, 30 minutes and I'm like, I'm jazzed and I'm ready to go. So, so those are, those are his ways of, of decompressing after a stressful day. Zenhabits.net. And, um, so I, yeah. So how do you decompress? I don't know. What do you do? What do you do at the end of the day? You've had a big, long day. You know, I'll paint you a day of Lisa Murphy. Lisa Murphy, if it's a travel day, I'll paint you a travel day. So we we get up early. The tubs have already been packed. The clothes are packed. All the bags are already packed. We get up. We have some coffee. If I have time, I go for a run. Usually on travel days, though, I often don't have time for running. Get up, make my coffee, have my oatmeal, get to the airport, go through security, check all the bags. Usually there's six, five to six bags weighing 50 to 70 pounds each. Get there, kind of small chat a little bit with all the guys at the airport, and and then get on the plane, usually doing homework, reading, checking emails, kind of working as, as much as I can until I get on the airplane. And when I get on the airplane, I, I, do, I do sleep. So I guess that counts as a nap. I do sleep. I grab those sleeps on the airplane when I can get it. And then I read. I read, 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 read articles, read books. And, and highlight. And then, and then if it's a book that's not required for school, then, then I, I type up a book report for you. And then we get to our destination. Although usually we have to go to O'Hare first, always at O'Hare. And, and you, man, you got to be focused. Otherwise, oh my gosh, there's just too many people and there's too much to do. And you go, hurry up. We might catch our plane. And you got to know how to turn that off because we might lose the plane. We might not catch it. Then it'll be fine. We'll get on another plane. Oh, but, 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 but if it's the last plane, well, then we'll rent a car. And then we'll drive to wherever we need to go. And that has happened more times than I care to, to acknowledge. But I think being, being mindful and being in the moment, and I'm circling back to the, the counterpoint that I made a few minutes ago, is, is how are we making baby steps through the course of the day or taking baby steps through the course of the day so that that kind of pressure at the end of the day to have to like decompress so that that's not necessarily there? Or am I actually maybe potentially engaged in little acts of decompression throughout the day so that you don't have then that big blow up at the end of the day? I think about people who commute in, you know, and we lived in Southern California and I used to have to do that. And oh my gosh, I could, I could never, I don't think I could ever do that ever again. Whenever we go out to LA and you get stuck in traffic and you're like, where are all these people going? You have no idea. It could be Sunday afternoon. Who knows? It could be midnight. It's, it's still the same. Traffic, 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 traffic. But maybe that's somebody's decompression time. We've had a big day at the office, right? So then we get to our final destination. We pick up the bags, we get the car, we drive to the hotel, you know, and then, and then what do you do? Okay. It's been a long day. What, you know, I take a bubble bath, read my book, have a glass of wine, call it a night, get up. And then I find myself then refueled enough to be able then to deliver what is then expected of us the next day. 
So I'm, I'm struggling right now, actually, I'll be honest with you, struggling with uh, trying to figure out how to, how to put some closure on this. If you don't have techniques, if you don't have things that you do through the course of the day, be, you, you got to find them. I'm just going to straight up say that. You have to find a way to let the things go, whether that's breathing or whether that's taking a little walk outside, whether that's just sticking your head out the window and screaming. But I, I, I think that the Lisa Murphy contribute con- contribution, excuse me, to this decompression is one you, when you when you reach that threshold, you, you have to have a system already in place. You cannot be at that stressful peak and then be like, "Oh, I better get online and figure out how I need to decompress." Dude, seriously, those tools need to already be in your tool belt. So, regardless of what works for you, you need to have something. And I would actually say have a have an assortment, a hodgepodge, a little potpourri of things that assist you in in calming yourself down. Because at the end of the day, our ultimate goal is to be fully present and available for the children that we're working with. And in order to cultivate those relationships that we know are so crucial, we need to be mindful of taking care of ourselves. For me, it's running, reading a good book, going to bed when I'm tired. And, and, I, and I'm confident that if you don't already have something in place, that, that possibly through listening to this, that, you'll, uh, that you'll, you'll realize the importance of it. All right. Thanks for letting me share my thoughts with you. Well, decompressing in Nashville recently, I recorded some installments of a new segment called Drinks with Michelle. My early learning buddy, Michelle Taylor, is going to share the perfect beverages for dealing with complicated child care situations. Here's the first episode. Give it a listen. Welcome to Drinks with Michelle, where my buddy Michelle Taylor explains the perfect drink for your stressful situation. Uh, Michelle, this time we've got a child care center director, just been told by the organization that, uh, that runs her program that she's got a 25% across the board budget cut. She's heading home. What's the perfect drink to help her relax? Well, she's heading home. She's no, no. Okay. Well... No, that's a good question. She's not driving. She's at home. She's heading home. She's at home. But the thing is, driving home, she's got to stop and get the fixings for the drink. So what's the drink going to be? What's she got to stop and pick up at the liquor store or the bakery or the dairy or wherever she's got to stop? The dairy? Well, you might. I, I don't know if you're going to go with cookies and milk. You're the one that's coming up with the drink. Well, okay, so the 25% budget cut, she still has to Across think. The yeah. Across the board, she does the thing. So yeah. Therefore, she can't make anything that's going to affect her long-term aspect of this. So that's where probably there were no cookies and milk aspect of things because you're going to stuff your face, you're going to feel really fat, and you're going to get through it because you have to think. If you were actually add alcohol to it, it'd be a completely different scenario. All right. So, what kind of milk are we talking? Chocolate? Are we talking skim? Are we talking vitamin D? No, it has to be whole. It's all about the whole because of the fact that when it comes to stress, fat does not matter. Whole milk. Okay. We got whole milk. Uh, what kind of double stuffed Oreos? What kind of double stuffed Oreos? Double stuffed. That's twenty five percent. Excellent. 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 And we're talking a wide mouth glass. Wide mouth glass for dipping. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. At least three-quarters of the way full. Three-quarters of the way full. And, yes. and then she gets through how many how many double-stuffed cookies do you think it's going to take to help her uh, get through this uh, this problem? I'm thinking a sleeve. Uh, 25%. Okay. The whole package would be at least a 75% one. All right. So I think we're at least a sleeve for 25%. All right. So if you're a child care center director out there, you've got a budget cup coming up. We're talking whole milk. We're talking wide Oreos. mouth glass and double-stuffed Oreos, a sleeve of them. Very cool. And that's going to help you get through it. Yes. Very cold milk. Hey, thanks. This has been Drinks with Michelle. Bye-bye. 
I'm not very good at this. I'm telling you. No. During the week when you were kind of feeling the pressure from being annoyed at the hipster playlist dude, uh, how's it? How's it feel? Um. Well, it, it, I was I was sick actually. My head, I was just not well at all. I have I have a bad neck and shoulders, and that was all flared up. And it was all it was all just from the stress. I did have a massage Wednesday night, but that didn't help at all. And you know what? It's interesting that you say what what when do you decompress or how do you decompress? And I decompress both by teaching classes, but then also Thursday night is I teach class and then I come home and have some family time and then my husband has guys night so he leaves the kids are in bed and I plop in front of the TV and watch all my DVR shows and you go ah but I don't decompress till Thursday so if the week has been stressful Nothing what? happens about it until Thursday, Thursday night. night. Wednesday <laughs> afternoon and all day Thursday are, uh-huh. are terrible days for the why, kids in your program. Yeah, and you... that's why this that's exactly how this week was. And they weren't terrible. I mean, I'm actually, when I look back at the week we had, we had an awesome week. I have two great things that I can't wait to blog about. Um, and to think that those came out of a week when I was feeling like I was, I've... I'm actually pretty proud. I overcame. <laughs> yeah. Well, we carry. Oh, go ahead. No, I was oh. just gonna say, but it sure did feel good when I got that off my chest and figured it out. I think that's part of the key is you got to figure out what's stressing you out. Sometimes you don't know. Yeah. Well, that's one thing. In, in sessions, I urge people to do is to to make a list of the things that are weighing on you. And it might be something you need to do once a week. It might be something you need to do daily. Some people, it's something they need to maybe do hourly. But when you you physically take those things and jot them down on a piece of paper, it makes them more real to you um, because mostly they're just floating around inside of your head and it's, it's hard to grab a hold of them. Well, and even the things that we use to decompress can stress us. I went to a really good workshop by Elizabeth Hagen. She's from Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and it was on organizing. Um, but in that workshop, we learned about when you're unorganized. And so say you have that stack of magazines that you're going to get to when it's your decompressing time. Every time you see that stack of magazines, it's something that needs to be done that you haven't gotten to yet. And your mind sees that as the same as dusting or laundry because it's just something else that needs to be done, even though it is your dec- the way you decompress. So um, being organized a lot of times is something that people don't realize is what's stressing them out. Or being unorganized can be what the cause of your stress is. Yeah, I found that the the more organized I can make my physical space, the more organized everything that's going on in between my ears um, usually is. Another thing you mentioned, the things that we use to decompress can actually be the things that stress us out. Uh, one of the big ones, I think, is is food. Me, I like the end of the day, the last hour or so of being awake for me is usually sitting with my uh, my wife and watching Dexter or Sons of Anarchy or some stupid British comedy or something like that and uh, having, a, having a snack and, and Sometimes it ends up being stuff that is very, very yummy, but not good for me at all. Um, and then I turn over the package and I see how many empty calories I'm consuming, and it just see rule number one: never turn over never. the package. I was, I was at the grocery never. store. I was at the grocery store this morning, and last week I tried out these these uh, these scones. You just poof, pop them in the oven for 20 minutes and then you got you got blueberry scones and oh. they were, oh, yummy. And then today I made the mistake of looking over and they're like three inches, less than two and a half inches square and there's 180 calories in each one. And and I think I had three of them. Yeah, and so I didn't even buy them this time because 
because I, I knew I'd eat them. Yeah. And so I think a, a lot of us, and if you're doing family childcare, this can be a big thing too. If you're if you're working at home and there's always the urge to nibble, and uh, that can and it, it is a de stressor for some people, mm-hmm. but it adds stress someplace else, like around your waist, or more specifically mine. Um, so I guess that's something I'm constantly dealing with, but I, I know it's something other other caregivers are addressing all the time too. Yeah, and that's maybe why I chew gum. Maybe it is. Mm-hmm. I guess it's better than eating. Sugar-free gum. Mm-hmm. That or I suck on sugar-free cough drops because then that ruins your taste buds and you can't, it does not enjoyable to munch. Better than Because eat. I've had to come up with some some tactics because it has. So working at home, definitely. I, I had about a 70-pound weight gain that, well, I had injured my back in that time too that luckily I reversed it all, but um, it, it, it took some big eye-opening changes and, realizing, yeah, it's hard to be home when you're around all the, the food of your life right there. Yeah. when you when, when So my poor kids, there's nothing good in our house whatsoever. <laughs> Which probably stresses them out. <laughs> no kidding. Apples? You want uh, apples? We got no. apples. <laughs> Boy, I love apples. Uh, Chocolate. Oh, yeah. Well, see, here's the deal. Chocolate can be Great, help you decompress once in a while. Mmm, the yummy chocolatiness of it all. But and you know, a piece of chocolate now and then, a little bit of chocolate here and there isn't any big deal. But if you're eating fifteen, twenty pounds of chocolate a week, it, it <laughs> might, might be a little bit of an addiction. And and this happens all the time in in our profession. We take the things that that help us decompress and we become very reliant on them and then they they take on addictive qualities for for exa- chocolate's one of them but there were things like uh, online gambling and there were yes okay this is totally a squirrel moment and i'm so sorry but why do you have a paper towel holder on your wall were you here last saturday night <laughs> yes i was but did you use any- i didn't know that was a regular occurrence did you use any paper towels no but i think tasha did yeah. Oh, maybe I did use yeah, some paper towels. Yeah, you did use some paper towels. Uh, they came from the paper towel roll. There, we need to add a squirrel um, squirrel segment. Here's, uh, uh, they're there because you need to control your environment. And if you're going to have an environment where uh, messes are prone to happen, uh, which they do in my studio, you need to be prepared for them. Oh, God, that's too funny. <laughs> I'm sorry. Those of you at home listening in, there's just a random paper towel dispenser on the wall and Jeff's studio that I had not, not noticed. <laughs> Aren't most paper towel dispensers fairly random? Random. Probably, but they're usually in the kitchen. One doesn't generally see one here. <laughs> How many podcasts slash video slash audio studios do you hang out in? <laughs> yeah, one. Is there, is there a big thing? They're a big thing in those environments. Okay, so back to the chocolate. <laughs> so one of the big problems with uh, with these escape activities we engage in to decompress is that sometimes they can turn into addictions. A little bit of chocolate now and then uh, to help you unwind, to make you feel good is no big deal. But if you're eating 5, 10, 15 pounds of chocolate a week, it might be a little bit of a chocolate addiction. And this happens with other things, too. There are people that, you know, they start out with uh, one margarita afterwards while they're watching the sunset, and this gets stressful, and it turns into two margaritas, and then they're drinking so many margaritas after work that they're forgetting to wake up in the morning to open the door for the for the kids that are going to come to their family child care programs, and, and they spiral out of control. It, can, it happens with 
uh, online gambling. It happens with with uh, the amount of time people are spending on Facebook and those kind of things. We we grab on to the things that make us feel good when we're stressed and burnt out and maybe a little bit depressed, and uh, we get very reliant on them. Yeah, I know. I, gra- I grab onto Facebook a lot just for that adult contact. I don't know that I'd still be in family child care if it wasn't for Facebook just to have someplace just to put those funny things that kids say, um, more so than just jotting them down, someplace where there's actually going to be a reply to it. Oh, yeah. That's and, what I like Facebook and that, for. That's, I think that's a, that's a great tool for decompressing. There are some people in the in the early learning field that say, oh, the cell phones and all that kind of stuff got to be put away while you're with kids. And, and, uh, and the reality is that in a lot of situations, that's probably a, a good idea. But in some situations, having that human to human contact with, with the other, with another adult is, is conducive to a better child care environment. I mean, if the kids are busy and engaged in something and you're controlling your environment, uh, why, why not post a picture of it for I, parents and friends? Yeah. And I, I think people think that you need to be a hundred percent involved in there with the with the kids in your program at every moment. And what I found, the more that I kind of step back and take more of that role of observer, observer and um, facilitator, maybe enhancer, you just, you know, seeing what they're talking about and just nonchalantly plopping something down that that's going to carry them even further into their play. Instead of being 100% in there, um, I've just kind of handed that ownership over to them. And I'm noticing my, my, my crew is learning more. They're being more responsible. They're taking um, control of the space, and they're asking for what they need. All sorts of good things are coming out of me stepping back a little bit. Yeah, I think that those are those are good points. And I think something else we need to think about is kids get stressed out too, and they need to decompress. Oh, uh, I, oh, oh, I, yeah. Oh, okay, oh, I'll got be a story. quiet. And you got talk. a story. Okay, little, my little trillion, my little monkey, two years old comes running in every morning, Nita, I hear, Nita, so excited to come and play. One morning, he came kicking and screaming, did not want to come. No, I go home, I go home. It it broke my heart, and I felt for this parent because they're relatively new. They've just been in my program since September. And so there's, still, you know, you still, as a parent, you, you're taught to listen to your child, and here they don't, this child did not, clearly did not want me, did not want to be in my house. And we both were kind of heartbroken. She's a fabulous mom, though, and was able to disconnect, you know, give Trillian to me um, and leave. And, of course, the minute we walked over to where the other children were, boom, tears were gone. And he buried his, his forehead in my shoulder almost like he was embarrassed. Um, so, of course, I let mom know immediately, okay, this is what, you know, he's calmed, tears are, tears are gone. And her and I, through conversation, are trying to figure out what on earth caused this. Well, here, come to find out, their morning, she let him sleep. She lets him sleep until he gets up because she works at home. Um, and he woke up fairly late, and so she kind of had a hustle, and they didn't do their story time. They didn't have their snuggle time. Um, and these were all things that he had come to expect every morning. So a change in schedule stressed this child out, and he was missing that. And so knowing that, he came, sat in my lap then, and we did those things. He did those things with me, which did not even come close to replacing mom, but it at least helped. 
And it made me feel better and it made mom feel better to figure that out. So sometimes when children have just the completely most bizarre behavior that you've ever seen in a not typical way, it helps us to understand if we can figure out what stressed them. The other end of that spectrum, I spent 16 years with uh, school-agers in a community center, and some kids at the end of the school day are so wound up from the high-pressure, high-stakes testing and stuff that's going on, the uh, the lack of recess, all these bad choices the schools are making for kids, and then they're, they're loaded down with homework, and they just need to unwind. And so before we had homework time in the community center, we'd spend an hour or two playing uh, dodgeball or something, because if you, if you throw Nerf balls at the heads of your friends for an hour, you're, you're a little bit more relaxed and more interested in your, your geography homework, I think. And so <laughs> it's, it's even worse when, and this happens all the time, caregivers are stressed. Uh, at least a few of the kids in their care are stressed. The parents that are coming and going are stressed. The spouse or sweetie pie of the caregiver is stressed from what's going on in their life. It turns into this muddled gumbo of emotional unease and it gets very very difficult to do what is the core of this job which is tuning in and being right here right now with the kids in care and so it's very important that we as caregivers figure out how to manage our stress and how to de de-stress decompress when we need to so jeff what do you suggest then if you're in the middle of your day you have 10 kids three of them didn't have their normal schedule that morning so they're stressed out and their behavior is way wacky and then their behavior in turn is messing up everybody else's behavior and you're not completely there either because you're stressed well here what would you do here at the child care bar and grill we uh we highly recommend wine. <laughs> not during but, the day. Uh, but I guess that's not a, a thing that you can do in uh, do during the day in childcare settings. Uh, I recommend stepping back and taking a breath. Yep. And just letting letting the day happen. We don't need to be in 100% control all the time. We can we can let the kids be kids as long as nobody's bleeding, everybody is uh, uh, healthy and safe. You can step back a little bit, and you can take a deep breath, and you can message a friend and say, hey, I'm having a crappy day. Talk me through it. Yep. Every day does not need to be perfect, and I don't think any family expects you to be perfect every day. Every parent expects you to be perfect every day. I'll do sometimes, um, we'll turn the lights out, and I call it resetting. I'll say, boys and girls, I think we need to just reset, and so we'll lay down and reset, and I'll play just a nice, quiet, um, instrumental music and we just re reset. And I know that we're reset when I hear giggling happening because that means they're getting their wiggles back and life is good again. And we'll hit the lights back on and move forward. Yeah, we, we don't have to be perfect in this job. Uh, and like you said, most parents don't probably expect it. But the problem is way, way big numbers of actual caregivers expect and feel that they need to be perfect. And what that does is add to their stress, and that doesn't do anybody any good down the line. I'll get phone calls every once in a while from from friends of mine that are family child care providers, and they'll say, oh, I'm so not doing a good job today. And I will talk to them because I'm not stressed at that moment. So I will step back and just look, really look at what the kids are doing. Do you really think you're not doing a good job? I guarantee you see boys and girls working through problems. You'll see boys and girls collaborating and accomplishing tasks. You'll see boys and girls asking for what they need. All those things. Sometimes we under, um, under, under, what's the word I'm looking for? Undervalue. Undervalue. Absolutely. 
All right. So this has been another episode of the Child Care Bar and Grill podcast. Do you have a go-to stress relief buddy who kind of talks you through those tough times of your day? What do you do to decompress when you're when you're feeling all up in your head? How do you unwind? Uh, you can comment on iTunes or you can comment at the Child Care Bar and Grill website at www.ccbagpodcast.com. See you next time. Bye-bye. That's that's my line. Do we have a Facebook page? Um, no. We should. Yeah, but that'd just be another Facebook page. Mm. How many freaking Facebook pages <laughs> can you manage? I like Facebook. Yeah. Bye bye. <laughs> <laughs> Got the last one.